Here's the big question of the day here on Abounding Grace. How, how does God lead a person? Now, we're not going to cover, and nor can we cover, every avenue of how God leads. But in 1 Samuel chapter 9 here, we get insight that God often will use the mundane, the daily grind, if you will, the simple things. When you ask the question, why am I working here? To learn the will of God. Why am I living on this street to learn the will of God for your life? Why am I unemployed to learn the will of God for your life? Why am I facing such great tragedy to learn the will of God for your life? This is amazing grace. Should I marry him or her? Should I accept that job offer or move across town? When we're dealing with questions like these, we wonder what is God's will on the matter and how does he lead us? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor looks into this as we return to 1 Samuel. In chapter 9, we discover he'll often use the mundane, simple things to lead and guide us. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9. That's where we are. We finished the chapter last time, but I want to backtrack to the first few verses and answer a question that often comes up in the lives of believers, a question that I'm sure you've asked many times, a question that comes up that grips our heart. We want to know. And here's the question. It's, answered, it's asked in a lot of different ways, but here's the question. How does God lead his people? Or another way we might ask that is, what is the will of God for me? What does it look like for God to lead a person? Because I hear people talk about, and, and this is how it's phrased many times, I hear about my Christian friends, I have friends that I know have a relationship with God, and, and they say that the Lord led me to do this, or the Lord is leading me. Or you may be encouraged from the scriptures. Oftentimes, the Bible talks about being led by a spirit. The children of God are led by the spirit. What should I look for? What should I listen? How should I listen? How do I know when God is leading me? Maybe that's on your mind right now. Maybe that's what you're considering. How, how does God lead a person? Now, we're not going to cover, and nor can we, can, can we cover, every avenue of how God leads. But in 1 Samuel chapter 9 here, we get insight that God often will use the mundane, the daily grind, if you will, the simple things. When you ask the question, why am I working here? To learn the will of God. Why am I living on this street to learn the will of God for your life? Why am I unemployed to learn the will of God for your life? Why am I facing such great tragedy to learn the will of God for your life? Now, you have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel 9. Hold your places there. Turn over to Psalm 31 for a moment. And let's build a little bit on this topic. David would often cry out for the leading of God in his life. It was a very important part of his life. You read through the Psalms. He's constantly wanting to know the will of God for his life. 
And so he says in verse 1 of Psalm 31, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, lead me and guide me. Sometimes when we think of being led by the Lord, we come up with these ideas like sometimes we think that if we're really going to hear the will of God then we need to get away like a monk you know and go into the caves or into a monastery and and that's where the voice of God is in the silence you know getting away for with for for quiet times with the father is very commendable and important getting away out of the mundane of life getting out of, of the busyness of life to seek the Lord is very good and it is certainly a way the Lord can speak but it's not the only way And it's not really an accurate picture of how God speaks in the Bible. Other times we think God will speak to us as we flip through the Bible and come to a place, yeah, yeah, right there, that's it. Okay, let me see. This is the will of God. Oh, no, no, that's not, no, no, no. This is the will of God. And certainly God will speak and lead through his word. He'll use our normal daily devotions. He could even use, as you turn to his word, you don't know where to go and you just open the Bible and there's just an encouragement of God for you there. He certainly can use that and does. But there's no need to randomly flip through the pages of the scriptures hoping God will stop our finger at just the right verse. Still others see God speaking and leading through the supernatural, the emotional, the hyper-expressive move of the Holy Spirit. You know, like, uh, or, or, or supernatural things like a cloud, you know, I, I won't move until there is a cloud of fire by night. Okay, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. That's when I'll move. A burning bush, that's when. I keep going to my backyard pastor, waiting for the bush to burn. It hasn't burned yet. Well, we do see those in the scriptures, and we do see God using them as tools, but they're not normal. Or in another way, they're not the normative way that God reveals himself. As we learned last time in our study in 1 Samuel, God will often use supernatural things in very natural ways. He'll lead us supernaturally using very natural things. We have these pictures and thoughts of how God really speaks. We think that God, more often than not, will use these hyper things and these extravagant things when indeed, more often than not, God leads and speaks to his people while they're in the process of doing their daily routine, the mundane He's the God of the mundane. And in case you didn't know what that word means, I had to look it up myself. I've used it many times, but I like to look words up just to say, hmm, I wonder if I'm using it correctly. And here's the definition. Lacking excitement, dull, regular routine. Life can get that way at times. In our study through 1 Samuel, we've come to a major change in the book. We've come to a major shift. All the time prior to this section of 1 Samuel, the children of Israel, God was speaking to them and leading them through the judges, through God's appointed leaders, godly men and a woman leading the country. And they had these cycles. We've studied through Judges verse by verse. They've had these cycles of sin and repentance and idolatry. And, and, and they struggled even though, even though they struggled, God continued to send them a judge. God continued to send them someone that would take care of them. God continued to send them someone that would deliver them. What, what a gracious and loving God we have. That God will continue to deliver. 
and they paid the price and they had consequences. But then now we're coming to the point where they go, you know, the children of Israel look around and they say, we don't want this anymore. We want a king. Everyone else has a king. We want a king. And God says, okay. You want a king? I'll give you a king. And as we looked at last time, the king we were introduced to, his name is Saul. And God is working behind the scenes. You're unable to see it yet. I mean, the, Saul wasn't able to see it. We, we read the Bible. We, we get to read the whole thing. We can, leave a, we can read a life story in about an hour. But you've got to remember that the people in the scriptures were living this moment by moment. They were living it in real time. They couldn't see what was happening. They had no idea what was up ahead. And Saul here has no idea what God is going to do in his life. He has no idea. But he is a faithful man. In chapter 9, we're introduced to him. There was a man of Benjamin, verse 1, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becheroth, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the, uh, any of the people. Now, it gets interesting with this man named Saul. The donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, and they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. And when they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul called his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. His father sends out his son to look for donkeys. That's the next king. Where do you find the next king? He's looking for donkeys. That's where the next king is found. The whole scene of Saul connecting with Samuel and the anointing of this new king is one where a man, he's not a kid here. We saw that. He's not a child here. The whole scene of God arranging Samuel to meet Saul all surrounds some lost donkeys and the faithfulness of a son to obey his dad and to do what he was asked. God is leading a man through the mundane task of obeying his dad, honoring his father, leaving what he was doing to look for some donkeys. Imagine that. How about this the next time somebody asks you, how do I know the will of God? Go look for some donkeys. It's absurd, isn't it? How do I know the will of God? Go to work. What? Yeah, go back to work. How do I know the will of God? Wash the car. Change the diaper. Yeah, that is the will of God. Change the diaper. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? That God would so often lead us supernaturally in very normal, natural ways. This is very natural. He's doing what his dad asked him to do. And while he's doing what his dad asked him to do, he's going to find out that he's anointed king of Israel. God is working behind the scenes. How do I hear from the Lord? Stay faithful. Do what's in front of you. Be a man or woman of your word. Follow the scriptures. 
The Bible says to honor your father, then honor your father. It's often in the simple things that get skipped that we miss out on what God is trying to show us. Looking for something more. Let me read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's secrets. Now a person who's put in charge as a manager must be faithful. What about me? Have I been faithful? Well, it matters very little. It matters very little what you or anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point, but my conscience is clear. But that isn't what matters. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And out of faithfulness comes a great calling of God. And it's not uncommon. Many times when God wants to redirect a person's life, when he's ready to reveal a new direction, it's in the mundane. God so often works in these ways throughout the scriptures. Remember Moses? Do you remember Moses when he was called? When God got his attention? Where was he when the Lord spoke? Well, according to Exodus chapter 3, we often are focused on the, on the burning bush. But really in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian. That's when the Lord spoke to him, just taking care of the flock. Yeah, the burning bush gets all the attention, but we can't miss Moses taking care of his father-in-law's flocks. Just a daily, daily life. Gideon, where was he? Well, according to Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon, what was he doing? He was threshing wheat, hiding in fear from the Midianites. Oh, we remember David? According to 1 Samuel chapter 17, David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. The faithfulness. His whole life changed delivering food to his brothers. Because the Bible says that the Philistines drew near and presented 40 days morning and evening, but Jesse said to his son, take now for your brothers an ephah, this dried grain, and these 10 loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand. I didn't even think that this verse, we would be reading this verse in the middle of our fast. Dry grain, 10 loaves, cheeses, little Taco Bell. Um, it wasn't on purpose. Carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see now how your brothers fare and bring back the news of them. Now Saul and they, when all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, his whole life changed delivering food to his brothers. How about Jesus' disciples? How did they learn the will of God for their lives? Well, they were called to follow him while fishing, collecting taxes, whatever the job required, wherever they were, that's where they were called from. And when we read through the Bible, you'll find that some of the greatest work ever done through the people of God were done as they were doing their daily work faithfully. And God met them right there in that place and transformed their lives. So how does that speak to us today? How is God stirring us as a fellowship family in the days in which we live? I believe God is calling us to more faithfulness, a more steady faithfulness in our life. I believe God is calling us to enhance our witness for the gospel of Jesus by being faithful, godly men and women in what we're doing. And the model and the pattern of scriptures is that is often a place where God will give you the desires of his heart for you in your life. He will speak his will into your life as you're faithful. I mean, think about it. If you're unfaithful, if you and I are unfaithful, and we're in a position of, 
of whatever it might be, just kind of complaining or gossiping, upset about my life, upset at where I'm at, you know, whatever it might be when we are unfaithful, not, not doing what we said we would do, it's very, very difficult to hear the will of God. You're, you're going to be flipping through the pages. Well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And you're going to hear from heaven, be faithful. Be faithful. I don't want to go look for the donkey. Be faithful. Those donkeys are important to your dad. Just go find them. I'm, I'm much better than uh, donkeys. No, no, just go, just do what you're asked to do. Simplicity. And it's in the simple, it's in the obedience of doing what you and I, what we're asked to do, that the Lord so often speaks. Well, if you're taking notes, let me give you a few things to consider. It's all by way of repetition, I'm sure, but it's good for us to be reminded. Number one, God speaks to us as we are daily doing what we need to do. God speaks to us. According to Genesis chapter 4, verse 27, it says, He said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. But as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. You recall, he was given an impossible task to find a wife. And yet, on the way, the Lord led him exactly where he needed to be. Secondly, God leads us not only in the doing of it, but in doing what is before us diligently. Diligently. That's what we see with Saul here in chapter 9, verse 4. He passed through the mountains. They passed through the land. He passed through the land of the Benjamites. I mean, he's diligently looking. He's not just, this isn't just lip service. He just needed to go out and, uh, you know, I I used to do this growing up. Um, I, I hated to brush my teeth as a kid. I just didn't want to do it. I mean, it takes a couple minutes. But my parents would tell me, pretty much like you parents probably do, go in and brush your teeth. I would spend, I would turn the water on. I'd play with the, the toothbrush. I'd wet it. I'd squeeze the toothpaste without opening it. Just so if they went and checked on me, everything would look legit. And I'd stay in there as long as it would take for someone to brush their teeth. And then I'd go out and lie to my parents. Do you brush your teeth? Oh, yeah, no problem. Go check. What they should have done is says, you know, come here, I'll check. But for some reason, they never, I, I, would, I would spend all this energy, all this precious energy, and then even be deceitful. I'd do all these things to get out of something that was actually good for me. And I wouldn't be diligent. That was a pattern of my life until I got saved. A pattern of my life was a lack of diligence and find any way I could to get out of what was before me. That's not so with the Lord. The way of the Lord is to be diligent in what you're doing. Everything you do matters for the kingdom of God. Why? Because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And everything matters. So do it before you diligently. As he comes to the end of the land of Zuf, he says, you know, we've got to go back. He was diligently looking. He passed through and he passed through and he passed through. And for some time he was searching and looking over. This was no just one verse of 30 seconds. This was some time. He was very diligent. We know that time passed because they ran out of provisions and he began to worry that his dad would be concerned. And the words in the verse 4 and 5 speak to us of everyday lives with ups and downs, lefts and rights, concerns and worries. They were looking for animals, but we don't read of any frustration or anger or anything like that. We just see Samuel being, I mean, we just see Saul being faithful. And if he did have any of those things, He didn't express them to the people that were with him. And I believe one of the greatest tests in our spiritual lives is when God allows our agendas 
and our plans and our goals to be challenged with the mundane of everyday life. I mean, it looks like this. We've got great plans and great aspirations and great dreams, and we, we take the needed steps to do what we believe God wants us to do, and we see the timing of what God wants us to do to be far sooner than what God has in store. And so instead of attaining what God has so far in the future, he's left us, hey, hey I, I, I've got this great aspiration. I want to work in this capacity and, and I, I want to be the CEO of a certain company. But instead, you're answering phones. Answering phones of complaining customers. I mean, you're sitting there with an MBA answering phones. Why? Because that's where you begin. And you answer phones. And you be the best phone answerer that you possibly can in Jesus' name. Not just for in a promotion. Promotions neither come from the east or the west. God raises up one and he promotes one and puts down another. You know, your promotion and the things you're waiting for at work are going to come from the Lord. But really, as you're serving, you're serving the Lord. You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Well, Ed, today you were talking about how God often leads us in very normal, natural ways, in the mundane. Can you think of a time in your life or the life of Calvary Aurora where he did just that? Well, despite what people think, the life of ministry can be very mundane. We have the same things that we do every day. We have the same phone calls to answer. We have uh, the, the, the same type of appointments. We have trash to take out and windows to clean. And life can be very mundane. Uh, some folks think that, you know, working on staff at a church or, you know, being in ministry all of a sudden puts you in a different uh, strata, you know, and it like, man, no more. It's, it's never boring there. And, and on the one hand, I would have to say, man, serving the Lord is never boring. But some of it is just repetitious and routine. So much so that you might even find yourself like the church in Ephesus, that things are so routine that you have to be called to return to your first love. And well, let me let me say this. You know, we have a radio station at Calvary Aurora, and you know, it goes 24-7 every day, all day, every day, Bible study after Bible study, and testimony after testimony after testimony comes in of all the mundane things that it takes to keep the radio station on the air, of all the lives that are changed by somebody tuning in. Like last night, real quick, last night we had a brother uh, share his testimony. He was listening to another station, uh, rock music, and as he was driving north on the highway up toward Denver, the station changed. And and it just so happened that, that the station changed to our station. So he was listening to rock and roll music, then he was listening to the Bible study. He did that for a couple days. The Lord saved him. And you're like, man, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of hours and a lot of work, a lot of mundane work that goes on behind the scenes just to reach that brother, let alone thousands more. Well, maybe the timing of all of this couldn't be better as you're wondering what the will of God is over a certain matter in your life. I'd like to suggest getting the entire message called The God of the Mundane. We weren't able to air the complete study today, so call us at 877-30-GRACE and ask for the CD. We ask for just $2 per CD. Maybe get an extra copy or two to share with a friend as well that could use the encouragement. That's 877-304-7223. Or download the message from our website at calvaryaurora.org. You can also listen to Ed's teachings through our mobile app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And while you're thinking of it, download the Grace FM Colorado app, too. 
This is another cool and helpful app where you can access great Bible teaching. Life sure can get difficult. I don't need to remind you of that. And there are times when we get down and discouraged and maybe even feel like, can we get up out of bed in the morning? We'd like to share an encouraging book with you today written by Francois Finelon. It's simply titled, Let Go. And that really is a good summation of the book as he encourages the readers to let go of those things that are hindering our lives and embrace God's joy and peace. When you give $25 or more to Abounding Grace, be sure to request a copy of Let Go. And we also want to remind you that Abounding Grace is listener-supported, and we would very much appreciate your prayers and financial support as we come to you day by day. We're asking God to raise up a team of supporters that will stand with us and help to provide these daily studies on stations like this all across the country. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or make a secure online donation at calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. There's more from 1 Samuel coming your way next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.